Good evening. Tonight we have some very interesting stories from a search and rescue officer who works for the US Forest Service. Now before you take to the comments with old stories and I've heard this, this is by far my favourite series I have ever read to date and I intend to tell it my way. This video will include the first two parts of an 8 part series and if this video breaks 80 likes in the first 24 hours, I'll do all 8 parts into one huge video. Until then, buckle up and get comfortable for these exceptional stories from a search and rescue officer. So let's begin. I wasn't sure where else to post these stories so I figured I'd share them here. I've been a search and rescue officer for a few years now and along the way I've seen some things that I think you guys will be interested in. I have a pretty good track record for finding missing people. Most of the time they just wander off the path or slip down a small cliff and they can't find their way back. The majority of them have heard the old stay where you are thing and they don't wander far, but I have had two cases where that didn't happen. Both bother me a lot and I use them as motivation to search even harder on the missing persons cases I get called on. The first was a little boy who was out berry picking with his parents. He and his sister were together and both of them went missing around the same time. Their parents lost sight of them for a few seconds and in that time both kids apparently wandered off. When their parents couldn't find them they called us and we came out to search the area. We found the daughter pretty quickly and when we asked where her brother was she told us that he'd been taken away by the bear man. She said he gave her berries and told her to stay quiet. Then he wanted to play with her brother for a while. The last she saw of her brother, he was riding on the shoulders of the bear man and seemed calm. Of course, her first thought was abduction, but we never found a trace of another human being in that area. The little girl was also insistent that he wasn't a normal man, but that he was tall and covered in hair, like a bear, and that he had a weird face. We searched that area for weeks. It was one of the longest calls I've ever been on, but we never found a single trace of that kid. The other was a young woman who was out hiking with her mum and grandpa. According to the mother, her daughter had climbed up a tree to get a better view of the forest and she'd never come back down. They waited at the base of the tree for hours, calling her name before they called for help. Again, we searched everywhere and we found nothing, not a single trace of her. I have no idea where she could possibly have gone because neither her mother or grandpa saw her come down. A few times I've been out on my own searching with a canine and they've tried to lead me straight up cliffs. Not hills, not even rock faces. Straight, sheer cliffs with no possible handholds. It was always baffling and in those cases we usually find the person on the other side of the cliff or miles away from where the canine has led us. I'm sure there's an explanation, but it is sort of strange. One particularly sad case involved the recovery of a dead body. 
A nine-year-old girl fell down an embankment and got impaled on a dead tree at the base. It was a complete freak accident, but I'll never forget the sound her mother made when we told her what had happened. She saw the body bag being loaded into the ambulance, and she let out the most haunting, heartbroken wail I have ever heard. It was like her whole life was crashing down around her, and a part of her had died with her daughter. I heard from other search and rescue officers that she killed herself a few weeks after it happened. She couldn't live with the loss of her daughter. I was teamed up with another search and rescue officer because we'd received reports of bears in the area. We were looking for a guy who hadn't come home from a climbing trip when he was supposed to, and we ended up having to do some serious climbing to get where we figured he'd be. We found him trapped in a small crevice with a broken leg. It wasn't pleasant. He'd been there for almost two days, and his leg was very obviously infected. We were able to get him into a chopper, and I heard from one of the EMTs that the guy was absolutely inconsolable. He kept talking about how he'd been doing fine, and when he got into the top, a man had been there. He said the guy had no climbing equipment and he was wearing a parka and ski pants. He walked up to the guy and when the guy turned around, he said he had no face. It was just blank. He freaked out and ended up trying to get off the mountain too fast, which is why he'd fallen. He said he could hear the guy all night, climbing down the mountain and letting out these horrible, muffled screams. The story bothered the hell out of me. I'm glad I wasn't there to hear it. One of the scariest things I have ever had happen to me involved the search for a young woman who'd gotten separated from her hike group. We were out until late at night because the dogs had picked up our scent. When we found her, she was curled up under a large rotted log. She was missing her shoes and pack and she was clearly in shock. She didn't have any injuries and we were able to get her to walk with us back to base ops. Along the way she kept looking behind us and asking us why that big man with black eyes was following us. We couldn't see anyone so we just wrote it off as some weird symptom of shock. But the closer we got to base, the more agitated the woman got. She kept asking me to tell him to stop making faces at her. At one point she stopped and turned around and started yelling into the forest, saying that she wanted him to leave her alone. She wasn't going to go with him, she said, and she wouldn't give us to him. We finally got her to keep moving, but we started hearing these weird noises coming from all around us. It was almost like coughing, but more rhythmic and deeper. It was almost insect-like, I don't really know how else to describe it. When we were within sight of base, the woman turns to me, and her eyes are about as wide as I can imagine a human could open them. She touches my shoulder and says, He says to tell you to speed up. He doesn't like looking at the scar on your neck. I have a very small scar on the base of my neck, but it's mostly hidden under my collar, and I have no idea how this woman saw it. Right after she says it, I hear that weird coughing right in my ear, and I just about jumped out of my skin.
I hustled her to ops trying not to show how freaked out I was. But I have to say, I was really happy when we left the area that night. This is the last one I'll tell, and it'll probably be the weirdest story I have. Now, I don't know if this is true in every search and rescue unit, but in mine, it's sort of an unspoken, regular thing we run into. You can try asking about it with other search and rescue officers, but even if they know what you're talking about, they probably won't say anything about it. We've been told not to talk about it by our superiors, and at this point we've all gotten so used to it that it doesn't even seem weird anymore. On just about every case where we are really far into the wilderness, I'm talking maybe 30 or 40 miles, at some point we'll find a staircase in the middle of the woods. It's almost like if you took the stairs in your house, cut them out and put them in the forest. I asked about it the first time I saw some and the other officer just told me not to worry about it and that it was normal. I mean, everyone I asked said the same thing. I wanted to go check them out, but I was told very emphatically that I should never go near any of them. I just sort of ignore them now when I run into them because it seems to happen so frequently. I have a lot more stories, and I suppose if anyone's interested, I'll tell some of them tomorrow. If anyone has any theories about the stairs, or if you've seen them too, please let me know. So I logged back on tonight and was blown away by the staggering amount of interest this seems to have generated. First off, I'll address a few things that you guys have brought up. There's been an overwhelming amount of people mentioning the similarity between some of my stories and those of David Paledis. I assure you I'm not trying to rip him off in any way. I've got nothing but respect for the guy. He's actually what inspired me to write this because I can verify a lot of the things he talks about. We do have a lot of these strange missing person cases, and most of the time they aren't solved. Either that or we find them in places they have no business being. I personally haven't been on many calls like that, but I'll share a few that I've seen, and a story my friend told me that relates to this. There was a lot of feedback about the stairs, so I'll touch on that briefly here and I'll also include a story. They come in a variety of shapes, sizes, styles and conditions. Some are pretty dilapidated, just ruins, but others are brand new. I saw one set that looked like they came from a lighthouse. They were metal and spiral, almost old-fashioned. The stairs don't go up infinitely, or farther than I can see, but some sets are taller than others. Like I said before, Just imagine the stairs in your house, as if someone cut and pasted them in the middle of nowhere. I don't have any pictures, it's never really occurred to me to try again. After the first time, it's never really occurred to me to try again after the first time, and I don't really feel like risking my job over it. I'll try again in the future, but I can't really promise anything. A few people expressed confusion about the guy who ran into the man with no face. Just to clarify, when the climber ascended and reached the top of the peak, he saw another man in a parka and ski pants. This was the man with no face. Sorry about the confusing wording of that story, I'll try to avoid doing that in the future. Alright, so on to the new stories. As far as missing persons go, 
I'd say about half of the calls I get are related to that. The others are rescue calls, people who fall down cliffs and hurt themselves, or get injured by fire. You would not believe how often this happens, mostly drunk kids, or getting bitten or stung by animals or insects. We're a tight team and we have veterans who are excellent at finding signs of lost people. That's what makes these cases where we never find any trace of them so frustrating. One in particular was upsetting for all of us, because we did find a trace of them, but it just led to more questions than answers. An older man had been hiking alone on a well-established trail, but his wife called to say that he hadn't come home when he should have. Apparently he had a history of seizures and she was worried that he hadn't taken his medication and had suffered one out on the trail. Before you ask, I have no idea why he thought it was okay to go out alone, or why she didn't go with him. I don't ask about that kind of thing because past a certain point, it really doesn't matter, does it? Someone is missing and it's my job to find them. We went out in a standard search formation, and it wasn't long before one of our vets found signs that the guy had gone off the trail. We grouped up and followed him spreading out in a fan to make sure we were covering as much ground as possible. Suddenly, a call comes over the radio telling us to all head back to the vet's location. And we come right away, because this usually means the missing person is injured and we need a full team to help get them out safely. We meet back up and the vet is just standing at the base of a tree with his hands on the sides of his head. I ask my buddy what's going on, and he points up to the branches of this tree. I almost couldn't believe what it was that I was seeing, but there's a walking stick dangling from a branch at least 30 feet off the ground. The little strap thing on the handle had been looped around the branch, and it was just hanging there. There's no way the guy could have tossed it up that far, and we don't see any other signs that he's still in the area. We call up into the tree, but it's obvious no one's in it. We're all just sort of left scratching our heads. We keep searching for this guy, but we never find him. We even bring our canines out, but they lose his scent long before this tree. Eventually, the search is called off, because there are other calls we have to attend to, and past a certain point, there's not much we can do. The guy's wife called us every day for months, asking if we'd found her husband, and it was heartbreaking to hear her get more and more hopeless each time. I'm not sure why this call in particular was so upsetting, but I think it was just the sheer improbability of it. That and the questions that were raised. How the hell had that guy's cane ended up up there? Did someone kill him and toss that up there as a weird trophy? We did our best to find him but it was almost like a taunt. We still talk about that one from time to time. Missing kids are the most heartbreaking. Doesn't matter what circumstances they go missing under, it's never easy, and we always, always dread the ones we find deceased. It's not common, but it does happen. David Plides talks a lot about kids search and rescue teams find in places they shouldn't be or couldn't be. I can honestly say I've heard about this kind of thing happening more than I've seen it. 
but I'll share one of the ones that I think about a lot that I witnessed personally. A mother and her three kids were out for a picnic in the area of a park that has a small lake. One is six, one is five, and the other is about three. She's watching them all really closely, and according to her, she never lets them out of her sight at any time. She never saw anyone else in the area either, which is important. She packs her stuff up and they start to head back to the parking area. Now, this lake is only about two miles into the woods, and it's on a very clearly established trail. It's almost impossible to get lost getting from the parking area to it, unless you're deliberately going off the path like an imbecile. Her kids are walking in front of each other, when she hears what sounds like someone coming up the path behind her. She turns around, and in the four or so seconds she's not looking, her five-year-old son vanishes. She figures he's stepping off the trail to pee or something, and she asks her other two where he went. They both tell her that a big man with a scary face came out of the woods next to them, took the kid's hand and led him into the trees. The two remaining kids don't seem upset. In fact, she says later that it seemed like they'd been drugged. They're sort of spacey and fuzzy. So of course she freaks out, starting looking frantically in the area for her kid. She's screaming his name, and she says at one point she thinks she heard him answer her. Now obviously she can't go blindly running into the woods, she's got the other two kids, so she calls the police and they send us out immediately. We respond and we start the search for him. Over the course of the search, with spans miles, we never find a single trace of the kids. Canines can't pick up any scent. You don't find any clothing or broken brushes or literally anything that would signify a child being there. Of course there's suspicion about the mother for a while, but it was pretty clear that she's completely destroyed by the whole thing. We looked for this kid for weeks, with a lot of volunteer help, but eventually the search peters out and we have to move on. The volunteers keep searching though, and one day we get a call on the radio letting us know that a body has been found and needs to be recovered. They tell us the location, and none of us can believe it. We figure it being a different kid, but we get out there about 15 miles from the site where he vanished. And sure enough, we find the body of the kid we'd been looking for. I've been trying to figure out how this kid got where he did ever since we found him and I've never come up with an answer. A volunteer just happened to be in the area because he figured he might as well look in places no one else would think to on the off chance the body had been dumped. He comes to the base of a tall, rocky slope and halfway up he sees something. He looks through the binoculars and sure enough, it's the body of a little boy, stuffed in a little opening in the rock. He recognises the colour of the kid's shirt so he knows right away that it's the missing boy they had been looking for. And that's when he called it in, and we are dispatched. It took us almost an hour to get the body down, and none of us could believe what we were seeing. Not only was this kid 15 miles from where he had started, there was no possible way he could have gotten up there on his own. The slope is treacherous, and it's hard even for us with our climbing gear. A five-year-old boy had no way of getting up there, of that I am certain. Not only that, but the kids don't have a scratch on him. His shoes are gone, but his feet aren't damaged or dirty, 
so it was as if an animal dragged him up there and from what we can tell, he hasn't been dead that long. He'd been out there over a month by that point and it looked like he'd only been dead for at most a day or two. The whole thing was unbelievably strange and was one of the most disconcerting calls I've ever been on. We found out later that the coroner determined that the kid had died from exposure. He'd frozen to death, probably late at night two days before we found him. There were no suspects and no answers. To date, it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. One of my first jobs as a trainee was a search op for a four-year-old kid that had gotten separated from his mum. This was one of those cases where we knew we were going to find him because the dogs were on a strong scent trail and we saw clear signs that he was in the area. We ended up finding him in a berry patch about half a mile from where he had been last seen. Kid wasn't even aware he had wandered that far. One of the vets brought him back, which I was glad for because I am really not good with kids and I find it hard to talk to them and keep them company. As my trainer and I are headed back, she decides to take me on a detour to show me on one of the hot spots where we tend to find missing people. It's a natural dip in the land near a popular trail, and people will usually move downhill, because it's easier. We hike out there, it's a few miles away and we get there in about an hour or so. As we are walking around the area and she's pointing out places she'd found people in the past, I see something in the distance. Now, this area we're in is about 8 miles from the main parking area, though there's back roads you can take to get closer if you don't want to hike that far, but we're on a state protected land which means there can't be any kind of commercial or residential development out there. The most you'll ever see is a fire tower or a makeshift shelter that homeless people think they can get away with building, but I can see from here that whatever this thing is has straight edges. And if there's one thing you learn quickly, it's that nature rarely makes straight lines. I point it out, but she doesn't say anything. She just hangs back and lets me wander over and check it out. I get within about 20 feet of it, and all the hair on the back of my neck stands up. It's a staircase, in the middle of the fucking woods. In the proper context, it would literally be the most benign thing ever. It's just a normal staircase with beige carpets and about 10 steps tall. But instead of being in a house where it obviously should be, it's out here in the middle of the woods. The sides aren't carpeted, obviously, and I can see the wood it's made of. It's almost like a video game glitch where the house has failed to load completely and the stairs are the only thing visible. I stand there and it's like my brain is working overtime to try and make sense of what I'm seeing. My trainer comes and stands next to me, and she just stands there casually, looking at it as if it's the least interesting thing in the world. I ask her what the fuck the thing is doing here and she just chuckles. Get used to it, rookie. You're going to see a lot of them. I start to move closer, but she grabs my arm hard. I wouldn't do that, she says. Her voice is casual but her grip is tight, and I just stand there looking at her. You're going to see them all the time, but don't go near them, don't touch them, don't go up to them, just ignore them. 
I start to ask her about it, but something in the way she's looking at me tells me that it's best if I don't. We end up moving on and the subject doesn't come up again for the rest of my training. She was right though. I'd say about every fifth call I go on, I end up running across a set of stairs. Sometimes they're relatively close to the path, maybe within two or three miles. Sometimes they're 20, 30 miles out, literally in the middle of nowhere, and I only find them during the broadest searches or training weekends. They're usually in good condition, but sometimes it looks like they've been out there for miles. All different kinds, all different sizes. The biggest I've ever saw looked like they came out of a turn-of-the-century mansion, and were at least 10 feet wide, with steps leading up at least 15 or 20 feet. I've tried talking about it with people, but they just give me the same response my trainee did. It's normal, don't worry about it. They're not a big deal but don't go close to them or up them. When trainees ask me about it now, I give them the same response. I don't really know what else to tell them. I'm really hoping someday I get a better answer. But it hasn't happened yet. This is another one of the less spooky and more sad. A young man went missing late in winter, when realistically no one should be going that far out into the trails. We close a lot of them, but some remain open year-round unless there's a shitload of snow. We did an OP for him, but we had about six feet of snow on the ground. It was an unusually heavy snow year, and we knew it wasn't likely that we'd find him until spring when the thaw came. Sure enough, when the first big thaw came, a hiker reported a body a little ways off the main trail. We found him at the base of a tree and a pile of melted snow. I knew right away what had happened, and it scared the living shit out of me. Most of you who ski or snowboard or spend any amount of time on a mountain will probably have guessed too. When the snow falls, it doesn't collect as thick in the areas beneath the branches. It happens most with fir trees because they have a sort of closed umbrella shape. So what you end up with is a space around the base of a tree that's filled with a mixture of loose, powdery snow air and branches. They're called tree wells, and they're not immediately obvious if you don't know what you're looking for. We put up signs in a welcome centre, big ones, letting people know how dangerous they are. But every year that we get an unusual amount of snow, at least one person doesn't read them, or doesn't take the warning seriously. And we find out about it in spring. My best guess is that this young man was hiking and got tired, or maybe a cramp from walking in the deep snow. He went to go sit at the base of a tree, not knowing that there was a tree well, and fell in. He got stuck with his feet up, and the surrounding snow caved in around him. Unable to free himself, he got suffocated. It's called snow immersion suffocation, and it doesn't usually happen except in real deep snow. But if you do get stuck in a weird position like this guy did, even six feet of snow can be lethal. What scared me the most was imagining how he must have struggled. Upside down in the freezing cold, he didn't die quickly. The snow would have formed a dense, heavy pile on top of him, and it would have been literally impossible to get out. As it got harder to breathe, he would have known what was happening. I can't even imagine what he was thinking in his last moments. 
A lot of my less outdoorsy friends want to know if I've ever seen the goat man while I've been out on calls. Unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, I've never had anything quite like that happen. I guess the closest was the whole black-eyed man thing, but I didn't see anything. However, there was one call where I had something kind of similar happen, but I'm not sure I'm willing to chalk it up to the goat man. We'd gotten a report that an older woman had fainted along one of the trails and needed assistance getting back down the main area. We hike up to where she's at and her husband is just beside himself. He runs, well, I guess more jogs to us, and tells us that he was a little ways off the trail looking at something when his wife starts screaming behind him. He runs back to her and she's passed out on the trail. We get her on a backboard and as we are getting her down to the welcome centre, she comes to and starts screaming again. I calm her down and ask her what happened. I can't remember verbatim what she said, but essentially what happened was this. She'd been waiting for her husband when she started hearing this really strange sound. She said it sounded sort of like a cat, but it was off somehow, and she couldn't quite figure out why. She went a little ahead to try and hear it better, and it sounded like it was coming closer. She said the closer it got, the more uneasy she was, until she finally figured out what was wrong. I don't remember the next part because it was so weird that I don't think I could forget it if I tried. It wasn't a cat, it was a man, saying the word meow over and over, just meow, meow, meow. But it wasn't a man, it couldn't have been, because I've never heard of a man make his voice buzz like that. I thought my hearing aid was going out, but it wasn't. I had adjusted it and it still sounded all buzzy. It was awful. He was coming closer, but I couldn't see him, and the closer he got, the more scared I was. And the last thing I remember was a shape coming out of the tree. I guess that's when I fainted. Now, obviously, I am a little perplexed as to why a guy would be out in the fucking woods chanting meow 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 at people. So once we get down the mountain, I tell my superior that I'm going to search the area to see if I can find anything. He gives me the go ahead and I grab a radio and hike back to see where she had fainted. I don't see anyone, so I keep going about a mile more. When I head back, I go off the trail to see if I can figure out where she saw him coming from. It's almost sunset by this point, and I don't have any desire to be out at night alone, so I just sort of write it off and make a mental note to check it out again tomorrow. But as I'm headed back, I start to hear something in the distance. I stop, and I call out for anyone in the immediate area to identify themselves. The sound didn't come closer or get louder, but it sounded exactly like a man saying meow, meow in this really odd monotone. As comical as it may sound, it was almost like the guy on South Park with the electro-larynx. Ned, I think his name is. I go off the trail in the direction I think it's coming from, but I never seem to get closer. It's almost like it's coming from all directions. Eventually, it just sort of fades out, and I end up going back to the welcome centre. I didn't get any further reports like that, and even though I went back to that area, 
I never heard that exact same sound again. I suppose it could have been some stupid kid out there fucking with people, but even I have to admit it was kind of weird. So this kind of turned into a massive wall of text, and for that I apologise. I wanted to get to the stories my friend told me, and he does have some good ones, so I'll post those tomorrow evening. I also have a few more of my own I think you guys will like. I'm sorry to keep you all in suspense again. Hopefully the stories here make up for it and help you get through the next 24 hours until I can post again. Edit. Since it seems like all of you would like to hear more, tomorrow I'll write up as many stories as I can and do a massive post. I'll include my friend's stories and I'll see if I can get a hold of a few more people who might have interesting things to talk about. I just wasn't sure how people felt about big huge walls of text, but if they're all okay with it, I'll post lots of stories. I want to thank you all for listening. As mentioned, this was the first three parts of an eight part series. If you guys enjoyed then please leave a like and comment and maybe even subscribe if you haven't already. And as always, I hope you have a pleasant and creepy evening. I'll catch you all in the next one. Thank you.